What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Moving on to the Ravens, Gus Edwards was the guy for them without J.K. Dobbins. It was not Kenyon Drake. It was not Justice Hill. So uh, Edwards is a low-end running back, too, going forward. He's going to be touchdown dependent. Um, this is a good offense to be touchdown dependent on, right? Yeah. 16 carries, 66 yards, two touchdowns. He he did all of that on only 36% of snaps. Uh, so, you know, you can't depend on him. These other running backs are going to be involved. I would expect this snap share to increase a little bit, you know, as he comes back, continues to, you know, get better off of that ACL. The yeah. reason why I like Gus Edwards at this moment more than I liked J.K. Dobbins several weeks ago when he got his two touchdowns and I told you to sell high on J.K. Dobbins is because we knew that Gus Edwards was going to come back at some point and then be a big part of the rotation so that it would be very hard to trust J.K. Dobbins, right? Yeah. Uh, and we knew that J.K. Dobbins also had a ceiling on the amount of touches that he was going to get. Well, we didn't know that, but we assumed that he that he had a ceiling on those touches. and. That kind of came to fruition, you know, after the, the, the games, after that two touchdown game that he had. Um, but now J.K. Dobbins doesn't have as much competition, right? Kenyon Drake came in and averaged 0.5 yards per carry in this game. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. brutal in a good after, matchup. After he averaged like a monster amount per carry, he ripped off that's like who three 20 Kenyon, yard runs. <laughs> that's who Kenyon Drake is. It's either yeah. big play or nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. That's literally him. That's who he's been his entire career. And that's part of the reasons why coaches, you know, not are not a big fan of Kenyon Drake because like, dude, like just take what's there. He's always trying to make, you know, get the big play and it, it works sometimes. And that's why you've seen him, you know, rip off some big gains before, but not a running back coaches, you know, pet student. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what to say there. Um, no, I hear but, but yeah, no, uh, Gus Edwards, like I think, you know, touchdown dependent, but you know, good offense. So moving forward, I I would you know he could be in lineups, but just know that if he doesn't score a touchdown, you're probably looking at five or six points for that. Yeah, week. with Gus Edwards, you know, it's good to be touchdown dependent on the Ravens' offense as a running back more than it is to be touchdown dependent as a receiver. So you do have that going for you if you have Gus Edwards, and um, you know, chances are you might have picked him up just on the waiver wire. You know, so to have him as a decent fill-in start. You know, I, I think that there's nothing wrong with what he did yesterday. I, I'm okay with the way he produced, even though it was only 16 carries. Kenny Drake had 11 carries quietly. You know, we talked about him averaging a horrific yeah. amount, but he had 11 carries. So he's not got, they don't, I don't think they have Gus Edwards clearly. And they don't think he's back 100% just yet. But um, yeah, I, th I think you touched on that. But as he gets going, moving forward, as he gets even healthier and healthier, I think that he'll continue to produce. I think he'll be, as close to a clear RB1 in this backfield as we've seen, you know, even over J.K. Dobbins, even though it's, it's not necessarily going to be, you know, bonafide RB1, he's going to have all the work.
but I think that it's going to be, you know, enough that you can start him, you know, pretty confidently that he'll have a decent workload and he won't be as touchdown dependent as we move forward, unless JK Dobbins comes back earlier than we anticipate. Guess so. J, so Gus Edwards had 16 carries in this game. First game back from an ACL tear. Guess what J.K. Dobbins' career high in carries is for his career. I don't have those numbers pulled up. I don't want to sound like an idiot, but I'm going to go with eight. <laughs> no, no, no. What What is J.K. Dobbins' career high in carries in one game? Yeah, college. College no, no, two no, or no, NFL? No, just, just NFL. His career high in carries is it for, for a single game. It's 15. It's 15? <laughs> it's 15. All right, well, there you go. So Gus Edwards had one more carry than J.K. Dobbins has ever had in his first game back from an ACL tear. That's that's just unbelievable to me. Like, did, Yeah, that's true. Did J.K. Dobbins never have, like, was he never worth more than 15 carries? You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. like, come on, man. You know, so anyway, you know, when J.K. Dobbins is back, you know, he could potentially get back into this rotation. But I think Gus Edwards is still going to be valuable at that point uh, because it's going to be a 1A, 1B situation that could potentially flip-flop back and forth. Yeah. That's kind of how I see it. Um, your uh, Zach, you, your camera's bugging out right now. Yeah, here. Can you still uh, hear me or no? I still hear you. Oh, you're back. I see you. What's up, buddy? All right. we're, yeah, we're, my computer is, um, you know, breathing heavy right now. Oh, is it really? Going. So, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 having a rough go if it's going through th- going yeah. through it right now. But I, I think we should be all right. You just fine. Yeah, as long as you can good. hear me, you know. I mean, it's all right I, if the stream goes a little, if I'm a little bit not here. But, you know, I want the audio game. to be there. <laughs> in that same game on the other side, uh, David Njoku, he was seen in a walking boot and crutches after the game. He does have an ankle injury. It's not great that he was in crutches and a walking boot after the game. Um, <laughs> no. They're saying that it's not a serious ankle injury. It's good, but like, you know, that's not like two signs. Walking, walking boot, crutches. That's not great. Um, I'm guessing he'll miss a game at least. Uh, we'll see if it's a high ankle sprain or not. I'm sure they'll they'll do more tests on that. Um, but we'll see how that goes. But he's been getting it done for you. Like, this is if you had Najoku and he he's gonna miss time. If he does miss time, this is a little bit of a loss for you because. He's been getting it done and being a little bit of a difference maker at the tight end position, like outside of Travis Kelsey and, you know, guys like Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews and, you know, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, David Njoku was like the only other guy who's kind of getting it done for you every single week. Yeah, he's been, you know, what's been really rare to find at the tight end position this year, he said, is just a solid, consistent producer. You know, you have guys that, okay, they put up 14 or 15 points a week. They turn around and throw up one. Now, he has, I think... I think at least double digit fantasy points in three or three out of the last four games. You know, he's, he's look good, better than most tight ends. You know, if you're not named Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey outside of that, you know, he he's kind of been the guy and this yeah. is, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be as huge of a blow if the tight end, you know, landscape wasn't as bad as it is this year. But, um, you know, he, I don't think it's going to be too long for him to be out. Obviously, like you said, bad indicators, crutches, walking boot, not good, but um, I don't anticipate this being something super long term. You're just going to be right back with everybody else. So if you had David Njoku, you're probably like you know sitting pretty and looking down at the peasants who are streaming their tight ends. You know now you're with them. 
because you're going to be doing the same thing with Njoku out. But I wouldn't be, you know, moving for a tight end at this point because, like I said, the landscape is so bad. You know, unless you're trading for one of the high-end tight ends, um, there's really no reason to, like, move players or capital anywhere to do to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, so let's move to the Jaguars backfield. Travis Etienne, he has officially taken over the Jaguars backfield. He got the start last week. He got the start again this week. 80% of snaps, 14 carries, five targets. James Robinson not seeing any touches this week. Only had one target in this game. It's officially ETN season. He's your RB1 the rest of the way. Yeah, and this is kind of what we've been clamoring for the whole time on this podcast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We've like Give him the touches and he will produce another 100-plus yard scrimmage performance from Travis ETN. Even in a game where, you know, again, Jacksonville didn't look too good. Um, obviously it was against the Giants. The Giants, I don't think are getting enough credit for what they're doing. Uh, it seems like they're pretty legit, but that's besides the fact Travis Etienne got the workload we were looking for. And he had, I think if you were watching red zone, he had the first octopus play where he scored the touchdown and the two point conversion. So that was pretty cool to see, you know, obviously they're happy using him now. It looks like they're going to get him the touches that he needs. Uh, this is kind of like, you know, the performance we saw from Kenneth Walker. The week before he blew up, you know, as he did last week. And I mean, just yesterday, um, it was a, it was a good, solid performance. I wouldn't be surprised if we see an even bigger performance from ETN next week. Yeah. And he could have had another touchdown if he didn't fumble at the two yard line. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, oh, I didn't, he was, even, he was, I didn't see that. He was he was almost he, he was basically walking into the he wasn't going to walk into the end zone. He probably would have got tackled mm. at like the, two, the one or two yard line. Um, but they knocked it out right as he was getting up there and it went into the end zone and it was, it was recovered by the giants. Um, So, you know, but the good, the good thing about that was that they didn't pull him after that fumble. You know, he kept on getting the work after that. So, so that's, that's what, that's a good thing for Travis Etienne and that he, he's not on a short leash right now. Um, His playmaking ability is just too important. Um, So the fact that, you know, he was, he was almost getting another touchdown. If they got to the one yard line, he probably would have got the goal line carry at that point. Um, because that's how he was being used. So yeah. short yardage situations, he was on the field as well. So that's really, really good uh, for Travis Etienne and his value moving forward. There's actually still a chance to buy him low, right? He didn't have Relatively. that 25 game performance, right? Yeah. And that his fantasy points are still suppressed. There's still a chance to buy. Similar mm-hmm. to Brees Hall a few weeks ago, right? We know that the usage was there, but the fantasy points, he just didn't quite blow up yet. And, yeah. and Travis Etienne hasn't blown up yet. So uh, I would still be, you know, I would view ETN right now as an RB1. And I think most people are not viewing him as an RB1 right now. They're viewing him as an RB2 that, you know, you can start every week if you want to. No, he should be in lineups going forward. So that's how I would treat him at this point. Yeah. And James Robinson, you know, you just talking about how he, Travis ETN didn't get pulled after the fumble. He's probably punching the air, you know, at that. Because he got doghoused for fumbling all the time with Urban Meyer when he was at, um, when he was in Jacksonville. So that's just something to note for me. You know, I know James Robinson. Um, I still think he's very talented. It's just hard to compete when you have a guy like ETN, you know, in the backfield with you. It's true. And you know, you know who else is punching the air right now? Who else? Everyone who didn't sell James Robinson after week three. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> and, and we you guys know I, to do that. You guys yeah. know I had to put that in there, right? You guys, <laughs> you guys knew it was going to happen, right? I, Take I just, that okay, victory okay. lap. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I just want to, just want to know. Anyway. All right, let's move on to the Giants. Uh, you knew I was gonna go bring up Daniel Jones, right? Just, Daniel you Jones. Knew I was, you knew I was gonna do that, right? <laughs> yeah. 
202 passing yards and a touchdown through the air, 107 rushing yards and a touchdown on 11 carries. Okay. When you're in a pinch, Daniel Jones can provide you with that ceiling. And I had him ranked kind of high this week. Okay. Uh, you hated it. And I would just want to bring that up for that reason. All right. All. Yes. I know you could bring it up. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you said he, he he has the ceiling. I think it's the floor that I'm really playing him for at this point. If I'm going to, obviously he had a really good week this week. Um, but I'm not sure he's going to be running for a hundred yards every game, even though he is, you know, quietly one of the very good running quarterbacks in the league right now, as far as production goes, it's weird because he still looks like a game manager, but he's putting up 28 points. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know what that's about. You know, 202 yards and touchdown. I, 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 I know what it's about. He's not a good quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> that's, no, that's, what, what, I'm that's what it's about. So it's like it's like it feels so wrong because you know he he looks like a game manager. He, he he plays like a game manager. He produces like a game manager, but he's putting up all these fantasy points. He's like a premium game manager and a fantasy relevant well, one. <laughs> he has sixty eight yards rushing in week four with two touchdowns. He has seventy nine yards rushing against the Cowboys in week three, and he just put up one hundred seven rushing yards with a touchdown against Jacksonville. So. If he can put, if he can throw a touchdown, and run for like fifty yards, run one in, you're looking at a 25, 20, 30 point ceiling right there. Yeah, from your quarterback. So and, he's not an every week start by any means, but as a QB two, sure, why not? Superflex leagues, why not? Yeah, and it's what's interesting is you know Daniel Jones. We never really took him to be this kind of guy. And the Giants are riding, you know, momentum. From who but Brian DeBole, who worked with who? Josh Allen. And suddenly, you know, Daniel Jones is being, like, revived. And he doesn't look bad at all. He looks like actually a decent quarterback right now. I don't want to say Brian DeBole is turning him into Josh Allen, but is it weird the way he's producing is kind of mimicking Josh Allen? Like, obviously, the passing isn't there, but the running and the design run play seem to be, like, you know, Josh Allen-esque. So Brian also, definitely had a big part. He's a He has a big hand in helping Daniel Jones to where he's at right now. Yeah, and, and look at the interceptions. Only th- only two thrown uh, interceptions this year, yeah. which I'm very surprised about, to be honest with you. Like, forget about touchdown to interception ratio. He threw the ball a lot this year, and he only had th- two interceptions. So that itself is impressive for me. Yeah. So, it seems yeah, like right. Game manager with some rushing ability. Yeah, it seems like Brian DeBole has like tamed the beast of Daniel Jones. It's like, okay, I understand. <laughs> I understand you want to run the ball. Let's run it smart. You know, let's, let's make smart runs. Let's do design runs instead of having you have to improvise the whole time. We're not going to ask him to do too much to the air. And it's not, it's been working for them, you know, and that, they're not going to ask him to do, do too much to the air. It's keeping the giants on the field where historically they haven't been on the field because of Daniel Jones. And now, you know, Daniel Jones gets 10 carries a game. You know, you're looking at 60 yards easy. I, I think that is a bit, is a big reason. Like, again, you know, obviously, this is a little off topic, but just the Giants overall, what they're doing, what Brian DeBole is doing, it seems like, you know, it's really working. I also talked about Wando Robinson, you know, most likely leading the Giants this week in targets. That's exactly yeah. what happened this week. He caught six of eight targets for 50 yards. He'll be a solid PPR wide receiver. Three flex for you for now. I think his value can increase moving forward. 78% wrap participation. He is their sl- slot wide receiver right now. So very solid play at this point. Um, I can see his route participation going up a little bit more next week, assuming they run all, almost exclusively 11 personnel. Um, so, you know, just keep starting Wanda Robinson if you need the help as a low-end 
PPR wide receiver three flex play. Yeah. So, uh, so moving on to Indy, 10 carries for Jonathan Taylor. Um, the Colts, you know, they have been running more pass plays. He did end up catching seven of eight targets, but only racked up 27 yards on those receptions. So not great. Uh, but he didn't see his full role. Uh, only 55% of snaps this week. I guess the positive is that he was pretty involved in the pass game. When they did pass it, he was getting targets. Are, are you worried about Taylor at all right now? Or is he just a little rusty? Didn't get his normal role? Still banged up? Are we still buying low? What is your feel for Taylor at this point? Compared to preseason expectations, I would say, okay, yeah, I'm starting to be a little bit concerned. But given context, you know, he's missed a couple of weeks and he's coming back. You know, obviously they took a little extra time to bring him back to make sure that he was 100%. It's, it wasn't a bad performance for Jonathan Taylor. You know, obviously the receiving work buoyed him and kept you from being hung out to dry. You know, if he catches two passes, it's going to look more like half the production that we saw, you know, seven seven points more like than 15 in PPR. But I think this kind of leaves the door open for a buy low. You know, I think if he gets in the end zone, it's not really a buy low anymore. But like you said, yeah, um, 15.5 points is, isn't anything to be excited about, but it's also not anything to be mad about. Um, we know Jonathan Taylor hasn't been the same guy that he's been in the past. So, you know, I, I think that you could buy low on him right now i'm not exactly excited about his prospect to return to 2021 form but i do think that his ceiling is much better than what he's been doing you know recently yeah i think he's still a buy low and and this is another opportunity to do so um he only played on 55 percent of the snaps still had solid fantasy day you know didn't kill you so i'm i'm more than happy to buy him if, if i need to run it back aaron jones finally came through 10 targets in this game on top of his eight carries uh, AJ Dillon only saw four carries in this game. He is unstartable right now. He is simply yeah. a handcuff. He'll get the carries in some games, but he's touchdown dependent and he has been scoring touchdowns. This offense is not looking as good. Aaron Rodgers could not move the ball against the Washington, which is absolutely inexcusable for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah. Alan Lazard, he suffered a shoulder injury in this game. He left the game, didn't return. You know, you got to think that Romeo Dubs would benefit against going up against this perimeter defense of the of Washington, he ran the most routes of any of these Packers wide receiver and receivers and put up a donut in a good matchup. Okay. And it's amazing yeah. that Rodgers couldn't get anything going for this entire game against his defense. You know, until the end of the game where Aaron Jones was able to, you know, he found the end zone. Um especially at the end of that game when he found when he kind of walked that tightrope along the side, uh, uh along the left side there and, and got into the end zone. But this was not an, a good outing for the Packers overall. No, no, it wasn't. And, you know, we knew that the receiver problems would really come into focus, uh, at least somewhat, you know, this season with Devontae Adams departing. But it seems like he had all their mojo, you know, for the Packers offense. And he's gone now. And the offense doesn't look the same. Aaron Rodgers, you know, he the stat sheet will tell you he was relatively, like, all right. You know, 23-35 isn't necessarily perfect. But 194 yards, two touchdowns. You know, mistake-free football from Aaron Rodgers. Just they're not producing at all. You know, the the Packers are not the same. The offense. You know, I know Aaron Rodgers made comments about um, Matt Lafleur needing to simplify the playbook or something like that over yeah. the week, and they said, "Let's see how the simplified playbook looks." Uh, it looked pretty simple. Just throw it to running backs and don't take many shots. You know, <laughs> it didn't look like the Packers' offense was doing what they 
usually do, and that's make plays. Um, I know that they're a little shorthanded at wide receiver. There's not so much chemistry between any of the receivers and Aaron Rodgers, but it's not really – it's not conducive to fancy anymore. <laughs> you know, Aaron, Rod- Aaron Rodgers is getting the ball out, but he's not targeting any one guy. Um, it- it's just – it's rough, <laughs> you know, especially if you drafted um, anyone besides Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones just had his first good week in a few weeks. Like, I'm not really trusting anybody on this Packers offense. Are you? Are you? Are you trading Aaron Jones right now? Are yeah, you trying I'm to sell him? him? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 100. I feel like you have to because you look at his performance the past few weeks: seven points, ten points, fourteen points, five points, and that's with AJ Dillon not even really contributing the past few weeks. You know, he hasn't yeah. had the type of workload where you think, okay, well, maybe we can explain part of that away by saying A.J. Dillon's taking carries or he's getting this work that Aaron Jones isn't. That hasn't been the case. It's been the offense. It it just hasn't been good. All right, so we're selling Aaron Jones. Cool. On the the other side of the ball, Brian Robinson, he got 20 carries for 73 yards, right? That's a good sign for him. But production-wise, he's pretty much like the Zeke Elliott or the James Robinson of this offense. While Antonio Gibson is the Tony Pollard or the Travis Etienne of this offense, G- Gibson took his own 10 carries for 59 yards. He caught three for 18 and a touchdown, looking like a wide receiver. He almost had a second touchdown as a wide receiver. I, I would sell Brian Robinson right now if I can. Only 47% of snaps. Uh, Antonio Gibson was still very involved and looked good. Gibson mm-hmm. saw two of the three goal line snaps. Okay, he ran eight routes. Uh, McKissick ran nine. Gibson ran. No, I'm sorry. It was Brian Robinson who ran eight routes, McKissick ran nine routes, and then Gibson ran 12 routes. So this is a three-man timeshare where, you know, you happen to have a game script where you could have ran this type of game for Brian Robinson, right, where Brian Robinson could still get 20 carries with Antonio Gibson getting 10 himself. So yeah, they're going to want to have this type of game, you know, given their quarterback situation. But in most games, teams are going to be up on Washington. They're not going to be mm-hmm. able to play the Packers every week, which is – I just wanted to say that because it sounded funny and yeah. it's true. Um, so I personally, like, if I can, I don't think Brian Robinson has a ceiling at all. So, and I think Gibson is better. And I think that he's going to be involved throughout this entire season. And this offense isn't going to be that good. So for those reasons, I'm going to try to package up Brian Robinson, not be the main piece, again, be the side piece in a deal where you're trading two for one, where you're putting in a, a legit asset with Brian Robinson to upgrade that from that legit asset. That's kind of how I'm looking at this, this situation right now. I, I think that's exactly the way I would treat it. You know, obviously Brian Robinson, it's been, it's, it's a great story, you know, with him coming back from getting shot and, you know, yes. he's, he looked pretty good um, these past few weeks, but the truth is, like you said, Antonio Gibson, you know, after everyone was writing him off that he wasn't going to get the touches anymore. I think Antonio Gibson may have had his time in Washington kind of saved at least this season because Brian Robinson wasn't able to play the first few weeks. Because this general sentiment around the commander's backfield was that Brian Robinson was going to be the guy and Antonio Gibson was really losing out. You know, he was losing favor with the coaching staff. That hasn't been the case anymore. You know, it seems like Antonio Gibson, they found a way to use him in the receiving game. I think that Antonio Gibson would benefit from lining up at receiver a little bit. You know, I think he might have been... Was he a converted receiver to running back? Yeah, he used to be a receiver. Yeah, so it's not surprising to see that. Um, he may be better utilized in that way. It seems like they have designs on continuing to use him in that way. We just saw it this week. And he looks more explosive than Brian Robinson. Obviously, Brian Robinson, he could be a hammer free at the goal line. He could be an early down back to pick up a couple of yards on first down. But 
Brian Robinson is a playmaker like Antonio Gibson is. And J.D. McKissick has the role advantage in like moving forward because we assume that Washington is going to be down in a few games moving forward. And if it's a passing game script, it'll be J.D. McKissick or Antonio Gibson. Um, I think this might be – and you don't want to doubt anybody as much as it's going to sound like I'm about to doubt him. This might be the ceiling for Brian Robinson already, you know, in terms of fantasy. Yeah. Play. Yeah, that's kind of how I look at it too. 20 carries, like I don't see him seeing getting more than 20 carries in any game this year uh, yeah. or even hitting 20 in any game this year unless, you know, Antonio Gibson is, is out for that game, right? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Okay, let's move on to the Denver, another backfield that's kind of a mess, Denver, right? So much yeah. for Melvin Gordon getting the work in this game. It was mainly a two-man split between Gordon and Latavius Murray, and Mike Boone was pretty involved too until he hurt his ankle in the first half. If Boone misses time, uh, Gordon will be more appealing because he'll get the pass and down work. But Latavius Murray did get the only goal line snap that they had. But yeah. the Jets are five and two. That's the takeaway that in, in this game. That's yeah. the takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, the, yeah, so it's, it's a little bit of a mess though. I, I'm trying to avoid this backfield if I can because the offense isn't even that good. Yeah, the Broncos offense is not good enough. I, I'm not a fan of any of the players on the Broncos offense outside. You know, obviously, Cortland Sutton, I've been talking about how he hasn't let you out to dry for the first few weeks, and he's done it two weeks in a row now. Obviously, outside of his control, really, and he was matched up against Sauce Gardner. You know, so that that's yeah. that's a tough Sauce matchup. Sauce is looking good, man. Yeah. Sauce is looking good. Yeah. He's like, like you look at all down. of the – and you see those graphics that they keep putting up on TV, like of all the, all the wide receivers that they went up against and all yeah. the – wide receivers that he you know it, you know what it reminds me of did you ever reminds see that Darrell Revis yes graphic? it reminds me of Darrell no I, I didn't see that is it similar well there's a graphic that shows like the guys that Darrell Revis has played against and it's a ridiculous list like, oh yeah yeah exactly so I, I haven't seen that recently but it reminds me of when I used to see that like when yeah. I used to see the, that mm -hmm. graphic with Darrell Revis with all these top name wide receivers so super similar and I'm hoping that you know Sauce can continue doing his thing because is he, he seems like a great guy and like you know, I'm. He seems like somebody who can be a big personality in New York, and yeah. uh, you know, I would love that. I would love that. So I'm, I'm, I'm wishing the best for him, hoping that he can continue to dominate. Yeah. See, I'd love to talk about defensive players a little bit. We should just do a defensive talk episode, just an episode or day where you just nice. step away from fantasy football. You know, maybe over the off season, and just talk about you know. How about this? A bit, how about we? How, why don't we just add uh, an IDP like episode or something like that? Yeah, you we know could do that. that we, we could do something like that because there's a market for it, right? I'm sure a lot of people, like maybe a small percentage of our audience, maybe plays IDP and we'll bring in some new people who are yeah. into IDP, but stuff, right? So, yeah, yeah, you should think about that. Um, Greg Dulcich had a 71% route participation. He is the new tight end for the Broncos, not Albert O anymore. So, so good enough, you know, to get some consistent usage out of him. Five, six catches for 51 yards on nine targets. Uh, he is somebody that should be picked up if you need a tight end. He's a young tight end already producing, you know, in his second game as a rookie. Mm -hmm. Not not something that you see often. All right. And, so he's somebody that should be picked up. And with some trash quarterback play, I might add. Yeah. For both Russell Wilson and Brett Rippon. <laughs> so, obviously, you don't expect much from Brett Rippon, you know, and we weren't expecting much from him, you know, today, but he still got it done and he's producing and I'm we're not going to say this is like a very high standard, but he's producing like David Njoku-esque right now. You know, he's putting up solid performances. So in a world where tight ends are few and far between, you know, he could be a solid starter for you. 